0: Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for your word. We thank you that every word of God proves true. And we pray that you once again display that for us as we walk through this third chapter of Leviticus. Thank you for those who are here. We pray for open minds and hearts that hear your word and are not just hearers only, but doers of the word. We pray that um, what we discuss will be edifying and... Um, glorifying to you, edifying to us, building us up uh, as we do the important thing, which is um, hear from the King this morning. We thank you for this community. We thank you for your grace to us in Christ. And we pray that we live as those who have been redeemed by him, worthy of the calling with which we have been called. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right. Leviticus three. I don't know uh, if you've noticed, but I've been taking these a chapter at a time, rather than what we did with Genesis and Exodus, because uh, they're all one unit. And so there's a lot there's a lot of stuff in each in each unit. Today, we're looking through the laws of the peace offerings. We've gone through uh, the different. Uh, Previous two offerings are the burnt offering and the uh, the, the consecration of the bread offering, and what we noticed was that God initiates the meeting with the pe- with His people, and He provides a solution to the basic problem, which is how does a holy God dwell in the midst of an unholy people? That's the problem, and so He is setting up uh, a system to allow Him. Well, more importantly, to allow them to dwell with him in the camp, and so this time we're looking at the peace offering. Um, peace in our translation, it's kind, of, it's kind of what we see. The word is, what do you think the word would be for peace? Hebrew people, shalom, shalom. and shalom has a it's a broad term, right? Uh, shalom can mean uh, anything from completeness to prosperity, to harmony. Uh, It has a very complete term and yet it's used here for this offering. And we've seen this offering before. We saw this offering when uh, after they received the, the ten word testimonies, there was a meal that was had by the leadership on the mountain. It was this offering, this fellowship offering, this peace offering. And so now we see in... In code form, what are the procedures involved for for this? And they use this already to ratify the covenant on Mount Sinai. Most oftenly, often, most often, they are used as as, hmm, as a ratification of covenant. Uh, they're used; uh, they're they're voluntary, and they're frequently included as in, a, in in a sacrificial meal kind of thing. So we're going to see this combined many times with the the grain offering. We talked about that a little bit last week. This offering has with it kind of a joyous idea behind it. It's not, you know, the burnt offering—you go in, I'm a sinner, I got it, you know. The grain offering has to be consecrated, that kind of thing, very serious. This is a joyous offering. Um, It's meant to represent the living communion between God and Israel, between God and His people, and uh, there's also in it an idea of fellowship not only with the covenant God, but also with the covenant people. And we'll see that kind of in the, in the display uh, of, of how, how it does. Biggest peace offering that you see in Scripture is Solomon dedicating the temple. Huge. 22,000 oxen and 120,000 sheep for a peace offering for the nation. Dedic- Think about that. What's involved in that? Just one of these, what we're going to see, what it looks like. What does that look like for 22,000 oxen and 120,000 sheep? We have 15 goats remaining at my house that I will take care of by myself all week long while the girls are gone. I'm not bitter about that at all. Nathaniel. Yes, he'll be a great help. Dad, it's it's coming at me. It's not going to be good. I'm just thinking about it. Anyway, so that's that's a lot of goats for one person. Uh, 22,000, and they're big. Doing this 22,000 times. I'm just amazed by that. Let's read it. Leviticus 3, verse 1. If his offering is a sacrifice of peace offering, if he offers an animal from the herd, male or female... He shall offer it without blemish before the Lord. And he shall lay his hand on the head of his offering and kill it at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And Aaron's sons, the priests, shall throw the blood against the sides of the altar. And from the sacrifice of the peace offering as a food offering to the Lord, he shall offer the fat covering the, fat covering the entrails and all the fat that is on the entrails. And the two kidneys... "...with the fat that is on them at the loins, and the long lobe of the liver that he shall remove with the kidneys. Then Aaron's sons shall burn it on the altar on top of the burnt offering which is on the wood on wood on the fire. It is a food offering with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. If his offering for a sacrifice of peace offering to the Lord is an animal from the flock, male or female, he shall offer it without blemish. If he offers a lamb for his offering, then he shall offer it before the Lord." "...lay his hand on the head of his offering, and kill it in front of the tent of meeting. And Aaron's son shall throw its blood against the side of the altar. Then from the sacrifice of the peace offering, he shall offer as a food offering to the Lord its fat. He shall remove the whole fat tail, cut off close to the backbone. And the fat that covers the entrails, and all the fat that is on the entrails, and the two kidneys with the fat that is on them... ...at the loins and the long lobe of the liver that he shall remove with the kidneys. And the priest shall burn it on the altar as a food offering to the Lord. If his offering is a goat, then he shall offer it before the Lord and lay his hand on its head and kill it in front of the tent of meeting. And the sons of Aaron shall throw its blood against the sides of the altar. Then he shall offer from it... As his offering for a food offering to the Lord, the fat covering the entrails and the fat that is on the entrails and the two kidneys with the fat that is on them at the loins and the long lobe of the liver that he shall remove with the kidneys. And the priest shall burn them on the altar as a food offering with a pleasing aroma. All fat is... It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations in all your dwelling places that you eat neither fat nor blood. What's the point of this? What's the point of this? Start in verse 1. If, like the burnt offering, this passage begins with if. What does that tell you? If. It's a voluntary thing. This is something that is conditional. If he's bringing it, this is how he does it. The sacrifice is to be without blemish before the Lord, like the burnt offering. In the ancient Near East, this is an interesting thing here. What type, what sex of animal are they supposed to offer? So it says? Male or female. In the ancient Near East, what they would do is you offer a male goat, bull, sheep to a male deity and a female goat, sheep, Bull, oh, not bull. Female bull, you have a very difficult time with it. might work with the Supreme Court, but it's not going to happen here. If you have a, a, a female cow to a female deity, right? It doesn't say that here, male or female. Why? Why do you think? Holiness to differentiate between the other societies and their gods to be different. It's distinct. It's a polemic against there's not a male deity, there's not a female deity. God is not a man. He is a spirit. And so there's no male or female with God. It's a polemic against the other cultures. You've got God's created in your image, not so with Yahweh. He's not created in the image of man. Man is created in His image. And so He determines, you uh, sacrifice male or female as as a, a polemic against, an argument against, the, the pagan practice. All right, we see the same ritual here in verse two. What happens? What does the, what does the offerer do with his uh, with the animal before he sacrifices it? What does he do? Why does he lay his hand on it? What do you think? A symbol of transference, a sign of transference. Now this is a peace offering. What is he transferring? his sin. The only way you can have peace with God is to, is, to be clean. is to be clean. And so you have, again, the idea of transferring... You can say it loud and proud. It's okay. <laughs> transferring his sin to this animal. Even though it's a peace offering, there's still an atonement visual here. There's still an idea that this is a substitute for your sin. Just real quickly, the procedure is the, the, the person who's bringing the offering, the worshiper, brings the animal to the entrance of the tabernacle... And he lays his hand on it, transferring by sign his guilt, his sin. And and then he slaughters it, the, the offerer does, slaughters it. In the tabernacle precinct, and finally the, the the priest will get the blood from the animal that he slaughters and splash it again, lots of blood, splashes it against the altar. That's very similar to the burnt offering, isn't it? What's different? What's different? The whole thing is not consumed. What else? He's slaughtering it the entrance of the tent. Kind of a different place? I have to look, but I think you're right. I think there's I think the burnt offering is slaughtered near the altar. I have to I have to look at that again. It escapes my mind. It's the same it's the same thing. Same thing. The the blood being thrown against the altar is the same thing. What's different? The whole thing is not consumed. What is consumed? Fat. Now, when I was growing up as a, as a wee lad and we had um, meat, steak, uh, brisket, especially, that was tough. Mama always told me, trim the fat, get that off of there, you don't want to eat that. Is that what's going on? Is God trying to be health conscious for Israel? Why? Why is he having them burn the fat on the altar? As one element. There are a couple of other things too. But why the fat? What does that say? Wasn't the fat like the yeah. And even though Mama told me to cut it off, i got to say, it tastes so, so good. It The fat part of beef, I haven't tried goat, one the fat of the animal is considered to be the best part. In, in scripture you see that idea. Joseph, when he blesses his brother, or tells Israel, Come to Egypt. We'll have a party. Come to Egypt. I'll give you the fat of the land. Right? That's the way they talk. The best of the land is the fat of the land. And so when God requires the fat to be burned as a food offering, is God hungry? Does he say, Man, I really like that? Fat part's good. Forget what your mama said. Is that what he's, is that what's going on? What does that show? When they burn the fat to God, the best part goes to God. The best part goes to God. Ultimately, this is a meal, right? We see this. the The worshipper eats, the priests eat, and God gets a food offering. Ultimately, this is a picture of a meal. When you're going to honor someone at dinner. You give them the best portion. We see that again with Joseph. He gave Benjamin the double portion among all his brothers to honor him, right? Uh, and you see that here. That God gets the best portion. He gets um, he gets the fat. He also gets a couple of other things. What what does he get? Well, the blood on the side of the altar, yes. What else? Two kidneys, Two kidneys and what? A liver, a liver. And a liver. Two kidneys and a liver. Um, unlike the fat, when my mama fixed liver, that was not something I devoured. But what does it mean here, liver? What, what does that symbolize? Okay, there's some. Possibly, it's an organ that cleanses the blood. The liver and the kidneys were considered to be choice organs in the animal. I'm just a messenger. They were considered to be the choice organs of the animal. the The liver was underste- un- understeed. The liver, in fact, hmm, was understood to be the seat of the emotions. The heart of the thing that we would, in our language, we call it the heart of the matter. That where someone the liver, the liver shiver, all that stuff. But think about this culturally. I I left Tammy at at the car this morning as they were driving off, and 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 I, I and I lean over to her as she's leaving for a week, and I say, you know, baby, you you have my liver. I liver you, you know. I mean, I'll never liver you a percentage. Yeah, I, and and she did actually, but um, <laughs> or, or or you could be a little bit more true, I, I, I liver, I, I, I love coffee with all my liver, you know, or something. The seat of the emotions, culturally, is that part. I mean, when you feel something, do you feel it here, or do you feel it here? You feel it. Uh, in the chest cavity or you feel it in your gut? You feel it in your gut. So, when I am uh, facing something serious like speaking in front of people, which scares me to death, and so I feel it here, right? Anybody take speech class in college? No? Yeah? Did you feel it here or here? You felt it in your gut. And so, for them, that physical response, the adrenaline that we feel it's in the gut and so it must be the liver and the kidneys. That's the seat of the emotions for the culture. I was going to ask, how, how does it, okay, they're told do this and this with the fat and liver and kidney. How do they know if these are the kidneys, just, you know what I mean? Sure. Like, I don't That makes me a dumb Because thing. even though it was uh, it was probably 3,500 years ago, uh-huh. people weren't... Uh, I understand what you're saying. And it's a, it's a very valid question. I'm going to validate the question. It's a good question. But I think that it I think what you're, that question tips our prejudice. That people before us don't know stuff. We have Ivy League schools back then, Oh, shut up. I'm just asking like specificity. Right. They would know because they butchered these animals all the time. Okay. If you skin a deer enough times, mm-hmm. you get a feel for where things are. And how far you can run with the entrails before it pops off the back. I mean you get you well, I get don't know if you named that in the kidneys like that's what I'm thinking. Right. You know I mean? Right. Well <laughs> they in Hebrew it might have been a different word. Yeah. But they knew the location of the thing. Okay. okay. We translated kidneys, we translate liver. Right. It might have been something else that sounded elvish. So or German. No, not German. Anyway, so there is this idea then that the liver and the kidneys are the heart, the seat of the emotions. The rest of this, 6 through 17, basically repeats this process but does it with different types of animals. It recognizes that there's a difference between physically the sheep and the goat. One of them has a fat tail apparently, which also a choice thing to eat and is consumed in, in, the, in the deal. Why does it say... Um, burn it as a food offering. Does God need us to give him sustenance? No. I'm seeing by shaking of heads, we all say no. Right. The other one was a meal together. A food offering to the Lord, a pleasant aroma. You see this language? It, it's the idea that the sacrifice is food because it's 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 at the close of a meal that they're doing. The whole idea is a meal. Uh, it, and it's a meal in which God's presence is near. Similar to uh, all of the other uh, sacrifice uh, ritual given in this chapter, the, there's the, the whole thing of, uh, uh, of, of sacrifice, like the fat, the, fat the, the, the kidneys, the liver. And yet there's this statement here in verse 16. And the priest shall burn them on the altar as a food offering with a pleasing aroma. All the fat is the Lord's. Um, and it's more than just for this offering. It's a summary statement of all of the offerings. God is to get the best of all of these offerings. God deserves the best. Uh, you give the best to the honored one. We have this idea of, of the honored guest getting, getting the best. So, What does verse 17 say? This is a summary statement. This is a statute given forever throughout your generations in all your dwelling places that you shall eat neither fat nor blood. Literally, the statute is it's literally to engrave, this is something written in stone. And it's forever. This is a solemn prohibition without time limits, without space limits. This is something that's going to happen from this time forward. And it's to be practiced in any and all circumstances. Why? Why can't an Israelite eat fat or blood? What's the big deal? One of the great... Is Is that a British meal? Blood pudding? There you go, Louisiana. So you've got you've got Cajuns who are violating this law every day. We need to send them a text. Um, why? What's the big deal? What's other than gross? Yeah. What? what? I say it's probably to keep in mind that your best goes to the Lord, kind of in a symbolic sense. You do that, not necessarily. He's not concerned with you're not eating the fat, you're not eating blood, but just the. That he gets yeah, the, that your, the ranking yeah. that prefer God over your taste buds, maybe. Okay, that's the fat. I think is is there. I think that's probably true with the fat. Why the blood though? Wasn't that a pagan thing? A pagan thing. What is blood? It gives life. And life, life. And for the right Who's the author of life? God, God is the author of life. And to eat blood is to take away from His sovereignty in life is the idea here. Or does it seem that you're taking life from something else? And that well, no, they're, they're, they're to take life. Uh-huh. They're to sacrifice right. in a very bloody way. So but to consume it okay. means that you take it into yourself and the idea is God is the author of life it should go back to him sure we'll get to that does this remind you of anything in our practice today does this remind you of anything in our practice tithing second week you've mentioned tithing we need to talk you've got this on your mind so, guests to God reminds you of first fruits uh, in in Christian offering. Absolutely. Okay, all right. Is there any ordinance slash sacrament maybe that would remind that this would point to communion? The Thank you. Yes, and it's a meal, right? When we talk about the Lord's Supper, when we talk about communion. What's the big deal here? What's the big deal about it? really I mean we we treat it as a big deal what's the big in, deal when where who started communion we call it the last supper what happened just quick recount what happened there Jesus was about to die Jesus about to die he broke bread and, and passed the cup at what time Those what were they celebrating Passover. they were celebrating Passover Very meaningful Passover, considering that they were eating with the lamb, right? Mm -hmm. Who was serving it? Jesus Jesus was serving it. We call it the Lord's table. Paul calls it the Lord's cup. He's the one serving. He's the one giving. In fact, (laughs) he's giving the best, right? He's giving the best the portion. He's giving himself. Name some of the celebrations we have involving people we, we may admire. What are some of the celebrations that we have? It's culturally. Just go secular, it's okay. What, what are, President's Day? Day. President's Day? Payday. No, payday. payday, is that what you said? MLK Day, okay, yes. Uh, so Martin Luther King Day, we celebrate Martin Luther King Day. We celebrate Presidents Day. We we celebrate when Columbus crossed the ocean blue, right? Can you name? Can you think of anywhere except here, with communion, where someone in his own lifetime in his own lifetime initiates and appoints the method by which he is to be celebrated? Martin Luther King, I know I'm not going to get there with you, but when I'm gone, I want February. <laughs> did he say that? Uh, Washington. Lincoln. Did they set up presidents? that Hey, we need to be remembered. You know what I'm saying? We need to be remembered. Do people do that on their birthdays. Anybody do that. Except here. In their lifetime, I need to be remembered when I'm gone. This is how you remember me. Who among us would ever risk our reputation or the chance of actually being remembered by doing something like that? That would be incredibly arrogant, wouldn't it? We would perceive that as being very arrogant. arrogant if you're There's a difference though, isn't there? What does that tell you about what Jesus thought of himself? Is he worthy of that kind of remembrance? Well, he certainly thought so. And apparently, 2,000 years later, we do too. Charles Spurgeon said this, Does not Jesus Christ, in the very act of instituting in his own lifetime this memorial rite, step at once above the level of ordinary humanity and assert for himself a position toward mankind utterly and absolutely unique. Communion is first a meal. We eat and we drink. And we're there by his invitation. This sacrifice, they're there at the Lord's invitation. Come. Come to the tabernacle. Come to the tent of meeting. Let's have a meal. Be reconciled. It's a picture, it's a shadow of what's coming in Christ. And he says, take, eat. The Lord's Supper is an act of worship in the form of a ceremonial meal in which believers share bread and wine, fermented or not, to commemorate Christ's death and to celebrate the new covenant relationship they enjoy with God. Um, communion is a sacrificial meal. It's not a sacrifice. When we take the Lord's Supper, we're not saying that Christ is being sacrificed again, like Roman Catholics would argue. That's not what's going on. There's been one sacrifice. We're remembering it. The, the communion takes place at a table, not an altar. Right? We understand that. And yet, there's something very unique and special that goes on in this meal that we have with Christ and each other. There's a, a means of unification or becoming one with each other and with Christ that happens in the meal. Alright. Is it fair to say that the peace offering um, is a picture ultimately of the Lord's Supper. Weren't those sacrifices of animals? How is bread and wine related to those sacrifices? What is bread? What does Paul say the bread represents? The body of Christ. Body of Christ. And What does the wine represent? Blood. The blood of Christ. He's the final sacrifice. He's the ultimate sacrifice. It results in the, the end of the sacrifices of animals because it is the atonement of his people through the finished work of Christ on the cross. What is meant by atonement? What's meant by atonement? When we say atonement. You're at one. Yeah, t- if my wife were issued, it's at one right? right. <laughs> if you were doing the Q&A, of the catechism stuff, the answer would be, Christ satisfying divine justice by his sufferings and death for those whom God has given him. We remember Christ's death and proclaim it through the symbols of the Lord's Supper. His broken body for us, His shed blood for us. And by eating and drinking, we show that we are proclaiming, I am taking the benefits of Christ's death for myself. I trust that what He has done, He's done for me. That's what we're proclaiming when we do this in a couple of weeks. We do it every month. Since... He is the host who has invited us to this meal. What is he promising to us as well? What is he promising to us? We're coming in. It's his table. He's serving. What is he promising to us? He'll offer the very best. That he'll offer the very best, which is himself. Right? And he does that, that he he will redeem us by, his, by means of his own blood and his own body. The fact that he invites me to his table is a vivid reminder that he loves me individually and personally. Communion acts as a reassurance of that love. He also confirms that all the blessings of salvation are reserved for me. That's the individual. But it doesn't just stop there at the beginning. If I come to Christ, I am now involved in this communion ceremony, this rite, this ordinance, sacrament. Can argue over those terms later? This is part of who I become when I come to Jesus. But it doesn't stop there. I keep taking it, don't I? What are the present benefits of the Lord's Supper? In our current situation, it's not a redeeming meal, it's a fellowship meal, it's a peace meal. The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of one bre- of the one bread. Consider the people of Israel: are not those who eat the sacrifices participants in the altar? In the Old Testament, there were predominantly three common forms of offering that we that we've seen: the burnt offering, which was an offering of atonement, and that would also, I think, arguably include the guilt offering, the sin offering that we'll talk about in the next couple of weeks. Then there's the grain offering, which is a consecration offering. We talked about that last week. And then this peace offering, do we see the same kind of pattern in the church? The bird offering, sin nature, guilt, and sin offering included in that, as a subset of that, I would argue, as being specific sins or specific circumstances, depending on what they are based on the, the Levitical law. Then there is a, the, the, the consecration, the, the constant sanctification going on. And then there's peace offering. Do we see that pattern in the church? Let's talk about order of worship, for example. There's a call to worship, right? There's a call to come to the door. God invites sinners to the tent of meeting. Take, eat, this is my body, Christ says. Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you cannot be my disciple. To the lost person, he says, come all who are thirsty... Come, all who are weary and heavy laden. That that is an, an invitation to the burnt offering. Then, in the life of the church, there's confession and cleansing. The worshipper places well, he places his hands on the offerer's on the offering's head, symbolically transferring the guilt to the animal. We saw that with the burnt offering, and also in in this one, the animal is slain and the blood sprinkled on the altar as an atonement for sin. And in Christ, it's a finished work. It's done. However we still sin. First John 1 John 1:9 says if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin. This is a constant thing that we're doing. This is part of church life. Is this consecration and sanctification that happens through the body and blood of Christ. Later on John would say, my little children I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the father, Jesus Christ the righteous. It's ongoing we're saved we're being saved right it's a continuous thing we're growing and we see this in uh, pictured in these offerings consecration many times a grain offering would accompany a burnt offering or semi-guilt offering as a showing of consecration or sanctification of the person we talked about that last week um, a token offering was put on the altar and the majority of the offering was given to the priest we talked about that whole, whole thing the portion was given how are we consecrated how are we sanctified? Do you remember last week? What do we say? How are we sanctified? It's a kind of important thing. Okay. What are the means of that? The Word. The Word, the word through fellowship. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit working in us. Ephesians four. 20 through 24. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about Him and were taught in Him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. There's, an, there's something that goes on in the means of grace, we call them, that God does in the church through the, through the Word, through meeting together, through hearing preaching, through teaching, through, um, through, through fellowship, uh, through prayer, through communion... There's something that happens, but it should result in something. It should result in us putting off the old self with deceitful desires. That should happen. If it's being done in you, it's going to show. And it should result in putting on the new self, which is the likeness of God. I'm looking more like Jesus every day because of these things. I should see putting off and putting on. I should see that. The preached Word is our grain offering. We study on our own, but there's a profound and mysterious thing that happens through the preaching of the Word and we need not to miss out on it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Um, But we are also to actively pursue holiness without which no one will see the Lord. And that work that we do um, works something in us. It confirms to us the peace offering. There's an assurance that happens as we're growing in Christ and we're seeing Him uh, be formed in us. It's the peace offering. Uh, it's a covenant offering. It expresses the peace or fellowship between the worshipper and the Lord. The choicest portion was burnt at the altar. It symbolized as a whole a communion meal held between the offerer, the priest, and the Lord. The offering was a time to remember and reaffirm the covenant relationship between the Lord and Israel. And yet Paul says, Paul the Jew by the way, says to Gentiles, for he himself is our peace. Who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances. Christ is our peace. Christ becomes our peace offering. Not only is there a celebration of our peace with God in Christ, but also the celebration of our peace with each other in Christ. Think about how profound that is. Christianity is not an ethnocentric religion. You know what I mean by ethnocentric? Centered around ethnicity. Centered around ethnicity. <laughs> that is a very concise and... Brilliant. very. Thank you. So, yes, there is that. It's centered around ethnicity. What is an ethnicity? When we say ethnicity, is it race? You've already <laughs> I have, haven't I? Ethnocentricity is culture uh, and some physical characteristics. I, personally, I reject the concept of race, but that's, we can talk about that another time. Uh, it's a lot of antics, actually. Um, it's not ethnocentric. It's not just Arabs that can be Christians. It's not just Jews that can be Christians. It's not just Americans that can be Christians. Um, it's Democrats. It's Republicans. Even federal judges can be Christians. I know, it's crazy. Um, Christians who are black and white come to the table together. I have more in common with a black brother in Christ than a white non-believer. Do you understand that? My identity is in Jesus. So I treat those who claim Christ... As if they are also identified in Jesus. Not based on what other special interest kind of people would try to divide up. If they're in Christ, they're in Christ and that's how I treat them. We may differ on some governmental issues, but they're in Christ, that's how I treat them. After these sacrifices happened, after, after you see the burnt offering, grain offering, consecration, and then, the, and then the, the peace offering, there's a, in number six, once all these had happened, there was a blessing that went on the worshiper. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make a shine upon you and give you peace. The Lord make His countenance rise upon, rise upon you. That whole thing happened and they were sent out with that blessing. There's a commission. After the sacrifices, they were commissioned. This is the benediction and the call to live a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called and to be like Christ and preach peace to those who are far off and peace to those who are near. Jesus said this meal was a sign of the new covenant. The Lord's Supper confirms a promise of the future that it is a pledge of his return. So we see, do this in remembrance of me. And him saying, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom comes. So what's the whole thing? The the meal is, Christ is celebrated in our past, for our past. Making us accepted before the Father. Christ is celebrated for our present. He is our sanctification through his word and by his spirit. we're, We're receiving grace upon grace daily. And Christ is celebrated for our future. He is our peace now and forevermore with the Father. Revelation 19.6 says, Then I heard what what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give Him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and His bride has made herself ready... Listen to this. And it was granted her, it was a gift to her, to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. It's a gift to live lives worthy of the calling to which we've been called. It's a gift to do that. Let's not despise the gift. To be at peace and live in peace because he is our peace offering. Any questions? That's a lot to dump on you there at the end. Any questions? Does that make sense? The order of things burnt, consecration, peace. We've got two more guilt and sin. Next two weeks. This first seven chapters is kind of the whole offering thing. We see all the procedures for that. And then we get into some some other things that are just fascinating. All right. Let's pray. I know we're running a long time. Sorry. Father, thank you for this time together. We thank you that you have made Christ to be our peace. And that we can trust Him. We can rely on Him. But Lord, we also know that with your gift comes a holy calling for us to be um, conformed to His image, to, to pursue holiness, per dis- to pursue distinctiveness among the culture, that we're not to live like the rest of the pagans around us, but we are to be Your people, bearing Your image and in Your likeness. Would You help us by Your Spirit to put off the old man and to put on the new man who is created in the likeness of God? Would You give us wisdom how we live, that we do that well. Not not flirting with both kingdoms, but safely resting at peace in the kingdom of your dear Son. We pray for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.